This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. Thanks, friend. Um, my name is Tony. I'm an addictive eater, so good to be here. Um, yeah, I was sort of uh, thinking today about um, you know, about the heat and uh, you know, on, a, on a hot day, I would have probably just you know sat inside with a tub of ice cream and alcohol back in the day too, you know, and um, complained and moaned. So it's nice not to have to live like that today, that the obsession to eat has, has been removed, but, you know, but that took a long time. And I was at a meeting today and I heard somebody uh, share that they were born an addict. And I believe that, you know, that addiction was in me you know, right from the outset, my earliest memories, and, and that was food. And uh, yeah, when I was a kid growing up, I was basically, um, all my memories were around, were around food. And uh, so I was the kid that was always first to the table, last to leave at, at birthday parties. The kid that was uh, caught trying to fish a pie out of the uh, rubbish bin at school. The, the one that the teachers always came to when the tuck shop got raided and, and the, the big ticket items were taken. Um, and you know, I had a reputation for being, for being uh, you know, an addictive eater although that word wasn't used so much then, but uh, yeah, my father used to call me sort of Harry Hollow Legs, and other people used to call me Ten Ton Tony, and um, I'd like to think that was for the uh, alliteration appeal, but uh, in my mind I was huge, and it wasn't until years later I looked back at photos and, and I, I wasn't actually you know, huge growing up because I played a lot of sport, did a lot of running around, but I ate huge amounts of food and always wanted more. And... Yeah, right through my life, that was always the pattern. And it got worse when I hit my mid-teens and I, and, and I discovered alcohol as well. So I, I had two things on the go. And uh, that um, the only curbs on my eating really were um, you know, the, the family budget. So you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have a lot of money to spend over and above the food I got at home. But I was always wanting more. You know, like I was the type of kid that would go down to get the, fish and, the family fish and chips, but they, I could never get the packet back intact. There was always a hole in one corner, and there's always things removed. You know, um, the mental obsession was there right from the start. You know, like I was always plotting ways of getting more food, and later on getting more alcohol. And um, so, you know, things changed a little bit when I when I left school and went away to. Um, to study for my job, and in those days they actually paid you to be a student, which uh, um, was the first time I had a regular income, and that just all went on. I was always behind in my bills, like my rent and things like that, because uh, it always went on my addiction. It always went on food, on, on alcohol, and if I didn't have any money for food, I, I went around looking for empty soft drink bottles to cash in, and uh, you know, I think I've shared before about the um, down the chicken shop where you can get 10 roast potatoes for one dollar um, and uh, I can't remember anyone else I went to college with doing that you know so my eating was always different um, and in that year I, I put on a lot of weight I, you know for the first time in my life I put on you know I, I was up you know genuinely overweight 
four to five stone, let's say 25 kilos or something plus. And uh, so I started to feel kind of, um, you know, that self-loathing. It, it was always there, that restlessness, <coughs> irritability, discontent that talks about in the big book was always there. And, uh, and I also started to get high blood pressure, you know, which was so 19 years old, 19 stone. And in my first job, I had to pay a premium on my uh, company insurance because uh, I was deemed to be a heart attack risk. So I went, that's where I went you know, through the rounds of weight loss organisations, joggers, clubs, gyms, you know, trying to control it myself, trying to control that. You know, to me, it was weight. Um, but what I always had was that obsession. I was always you know, thinking about food or thinking about not having food you know, and uh, could not stop. You know, could never could never stay stopped, and um, moving around a lot. You know that you know I was somebody who took a lot of geographicals, went from one city to another, to a you know one job to another, always justifying it in my mind as a promotion. But I was I was looking you know to make a fresh start, but I was taking the problem with me, which you know was the disease of addiction in me. So um, and to cut a long story shorter. Um, I came back to Christchurch and I was working on a, on a local newspaper and I saw an uh, ad in our newspaper for um, a 12-step organisation dealing with um, food addiction. And in my mind, when I replied to that, I was going there for work reasons. I was going to do an article on this organisation and you know, help them sort of thing. But what I believe really was, it was my higher power you know, sending me there because I, I'd seen that ad there for quite some time before I acted on it. Um, at that stage, you know, I was sort of in trouble. My, you know, my addiction led me to trouble at work, trouble at home. I was sort of one step from you know, chaos in every area of my life. And uh, so I wrote, I, I wrote away. We had to write away the letter to a, um, to a uh, post office box in those days, and, um, and I got a message back. Uh, why don't you come to a meeting? And find out what it's all about. So I did, but uh, I went from the pub. So things were a wee bit foggy, but what I do remember from that first meeting was that there were people there talking about their eating openly without any, yeah, without any real shame, very candid, uh, honestly. Uh, a lot of them were still eating, like I was, but there were a few people there who talked about being free of the obsession to eat, and I couldn't believe that. I, I just thought I'd be battling that all my life. So. Um, uh, and I'd like to say that I was so impressed that I stayed, but I didn't, you know, um, because I was young, I was brash, arrogant, and I thought I could beat it. So, and, you know, my way of beating it was lose weight. You know, um, I, I basically wanted the problem to disappear, but I didn't want to give up what I was doing because, you know, to me, I was dependent on food and other substances just to keep me, just to keep me level, just to keep me going. And not long after that first meeting, um, two people, you know, who were getting well, came around to my house and, uh, and told me that if I wanted to get well, I'd have to give up. Um, eating addictively, drinking, drugging, and I was about 24, 25 years old. I couldn't imagine the rest of my life without those things. Um, so I said thanks, but no thanks, and, uh, and then I went out. Um, and you know, tried to solve the problem myself, which never worked. And 
So I thought you know, tonight I'd talk a bit more about surrender, you know, because for me, surrender had to be giving up my old ideas, but that just took such a long time. And as I said, I was moving from place to place, um, job to job, um, and I moved to Nelson, and my drinking got so bad very quickly there that I, I was always you know, drinking alcoholically, but the consequences got bad really quickly there. And I ended up in, the, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I sat in AA for a long time, for 13 years, trying to um, use AA as a one-stop shop for all addiction. I, I knew that I had a, you know, a problem with, that I, had, I knew my problem with food was as big as my problem with alcohol. Um, but I wasn't willing to do what was suggested by those people that I um, met after that first meeting. And, Although part of me was a little bit, because I remember writing to, to, to one of them and saying that I was in AA uh, and that um, you know, I wasn't drinking and life was better, but I just found myself eating more and more you know, without, without alcohol and without drugs. And, uh, but but I, anyway, I, um, so I, I, and I got a letter back from her you know, and she said basically that I should come to that fellowship as well, that I, um, you know, and uh, you know, come down to Christchurch, come to some meetings, and, uh, and 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 work the principles of that fellowship. And so, I was trying to be a good little AA boy at the time, so I ran it by my sponsor, AA sponsor, and he said, "No one ever got drunk on food," which wasn't true in my experience, um, looking back, but. Um, but I went to him looking for that answer. I, I, I kind of know that now. Uh, and so I wrote back to um, this person in Christchurch and it was quite uncanny actually because um, and I, I told her what my sponsor had said, but I didn't actually name my sponsor. She wrote back to me and told me my sponsor's name. Was quite, she would only really have met probably maybe at an area assembly or something like that. Um, and suggested that you know that if I wanted to get well I would have to give up food and all mind holding substances and, uh, and and why I know um, about addiction having the power to swap when I, when I joined AA I knew I, I, I knew I was beaten with alcohol I just knew I could not drink but my mind straight away turned to smoking marijuana again which I'd given up because a friend got busted and ended up in court and it was a bit embarrassing because we're both court reporters. And uh, so I couldn't be bothered with the hassle of that. But as soon as I couldn't have alcohol, my mind turned to, um, to pop. And uh, my sponsor said, you can't do that. That's just swapping one addiction for another. So all I had left was the food. And I just wasn't willing to give up. You know, I wasn't willing to let go of my old ideas. It just, it just had to get bad enough, really. Um, and it's amazing kind of... Um, you know, how long it took because I could not have wished for a better example of recovery than I got at that um, first meeting and with that subsequent contact with you know people from that meeting. So, um, but uh, you know the disease of denial in me was such that I, I kind of convinced myself that I you know I was powerless over alcohol. I, there had to be a power greater than me that took that desire away, but food, you know, I had to, I had to sort that out myself. 
net net it, it just never worked. I mean, you know, like I had all these sort of you know kind of you know crazy ideas that I could just go to AA. Um, I you know kind of um, convinced myself that because you know there weren't many men in this fellowship that. Um, it was, it was definitely a woman's you know, disease. I mean, I remember that book, Fat is a fem Feminist Issue. I thought, well, yeah, it must be. You know? um, I, I just don't believe that today. You know? But um, for a long time I did. I, you know, I was hanging on to those sort of things just because I was, you know, the only reason was that I did not want to give up the food. I wanted to give up the consequences of the food, but not the actual food itself you know, and until it got bad enough and really... Um, you know, I've talked to her about in the past about you know how I had the worst sponsor I've ever had, and for eight years I sponsored myself in AA, and that was a disaster. And you know, like my life got more and more unmanageable in that time. Uh, it kind of looked okay from the outside. I had, had the same job and had a house and you know, material things, but um, inside I knew that I wasn't anywhere near being rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence like I read in the big book and like I saw in the lives of people who, you know, who were coming here as well as um, the other fellowship, you know, so, um, uh, and so I ended up uh, living on my own, well, not, you know, living apart from my kids, you know, se separated, um, having them a couple of days a week um, and just you know, eating when just just eating got worse and worse. You know, they were driving to work, kind of hung over with the food, with you know, late for work, stop, <coughs> stop at a cafe, get some food, one hand in a bag of food, driving down the motorway, other hand on the greasy steering wheel. Um, yeah, you know, my, my life was my, my home life was so unmanageable that if I needed a towel for a shower, I often had to go up to the department store in Kaipu and buy a new one um, because I wasn't doing the washing and uh, keeping on, on, you know, and and I was travelling a lot with work, and I ended up overseas, and you know something happened to me there that you know was entirely related to my addiction, you know, to and um, it cost me a lot of money to extricate myself from quite a difficult situation. Um, and I was full of shame and remorse and I remember sitting in my hotel room in, in Paris, you know, this sort of glamorous city, just feeling absolutely lost and uh, thinking, and I just got this you know, real strong feeling that you are as powerless over food as you are over alcohol. And when you get home, you need to go back to those meetings where those people have found the, uh, you know, the freedom from the obsession. And because I'd come in and out of that fellowship over the years, uh, and uh, but I hadn't stayed. As soon as I heard something I didn't like, which was usually something as simple as, you know, you've got to give up the food, I was off, you know. And, um, but I still, you know, like, I, I still tried to do it myself. You know, I still had that old thinking. You know, I knew I needed to be at the meetings, and, and when I got home, I went to a lot of meetings. Um, you know, I went to every meeting in that fellowship that you know, there was each week, and plenty of AA as well. Um, and what impressed me when I came back was that there were still two of those people from that very first meeting who said they'd found the freedom from the obsession. Um, they were still here. And there were a lot more people that I'd seen getting, you know, well in the other fellowship 
Um, and in fact, I remember being at a, at a um, national convention for AA and seeing a whole lot of people from this fellowship you know, arrive sort of en masse and you, you could just see the recovery in them. You know, it was just, you know, it was quite uncanny actually. But I, I was, you know, I, I was eating at that time and I just avoided them. I just didn't want to be, you know, I just didn't want, you know, my kind of denial to be pricked, I guess. But, um, so, like I said, when I came back here, there were still two people from that first meeting and there were still, um, then there were a lot more that I'd seen, you know, getting, getting well, you know, kind of seen by the day or by the meeting and, and the other fellowship. So, um. So that gave me hope to come back. Uh, but I was still sort of sitting, you know, there's a phrase in the 12 and 12 about sort of anxious apartment, apartness. And that was me for a while. I was still sort of sitting on my own or kind of, you know, barely talking to people sort of after meetings um, and still trying to figure it out, you know, how can I beat this? Even though I had that experience where, you know, I guess it was you know, my higher power saying, you can't beat it, Tony, you know, you're, 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 you're done. I was still, still, you know, you know, how do I do this, you know? Um, and I was at a meeting one day, a lunchtime meeting, and there was just two of us there, and the other person was there, quite new. And so I asked her after the meeting about, you know, what's your food plan? And, you know, because she was quite new, I guess, and didn't know how to say, you know, mow her off. <laughs> um, she told me, and I went back to, to work and I wrote it down. And so I was trying to have her food plan. Um, and except I was only having her breakfast and her lunch. And I was having Tony's free choice dinner. And all day I was obsessing about that. You know, okay, you had Chinese last night, you had Indian, better have Indian tonight. You had a lot last night. But maybe you know, it was just like a tape going in my head the whole day. And I couldn't stand it. You know, I just could not stand it. So I found myself at the end of the, the next meeting, going up to one of those people who um, had been at that first meeting, I'd heard talk about how they'd, you know, they'd found the power greater than themselves and they'd worked the 12 steps and they, you know, they didn't have to eat anymore. And I, and I remember saying, um, how do you think it would help? How do you think it would work if I kept my main sponsor in AA, who was just a friend that I had a cup of coffee with every now and again, you know, um, wasn't sponsorship. Um, and got a food sponsor here, and uh, the answer I got was, knowing you, Tony, that wouldn't work at all. And uh, so I brooded about that for another week, um, analysed it from every angle, and uh, without making a decision, I can't remember ever making a decision to um, go and ask for help. I found myself, you know, at that, at that following meeting on Monday night in the old church, you know, where the mice came out of the, you know, the couch, um, I found myself couldn't, you know, I couldn't wait for the meeting to end. And at the end of that meeting, I was straight across the room and I asked that same person, will you help me? And I, I heard somebody talking on Wednesday about um, almost being gifted that willingness to surrender. And yeah, that's my experience too, is that I, um, you know, I, you know, I went up and asked, you know, will you help me? And the first question I was asked was, are you entirely ready to let go of your old ideas? And I said, I'm not 100% sure, but I think I am because I can't do this. You know? And I, I do believe that was sort of me 
you know, showing the willingness for my higher power to decide, you know, to use a, a quaint Australian expression that I was fair dinkum about doing something different, you know. Um, because I was told to ring the next day at, at a certain time, and again, the same experience, you know, I got, I got up early on a Saturday morning, which wasn't like me. Um, I could not wait to make that phone call. And, and I was told what I needed to do around the food, around what I needed to buy to, you know, help with my food plan, what, what meetings I needed to go to, um, and what work, what work I'd need to do you know, on, on the steps. And basically I have to go back to step one, which, um, and, you know, so, and I found myself going, yes, yep, yep, that's fine, uh, yep, I can do that. And at the end of that conversation, I couldn't believe that I was saying that, you know, because I, I was agreeing to do all the things that I once rejected as controls, you know. And what I found when I started to do them, you know, they, they actually turned out to be freedoms. So I know that wasn't, it, it didn't feel like it was me doing that. It definitely felt like, um, like a surrender that I'd never experienced before. Um, and uh, since that day, I haven't had to, I haven't had to eat. No matter what's happened, good or bad. Um, and I, I absolutely know that's not, you know, not me doing that. I'm, I still... You know, like today, in terms of surrender, I still anything to do with the food. I, I, I check out. Um, I like to operate on a good day. If I have a good idea, I run that by God. If I have an absolutely great idea, I need to run that by my sponsor because uh, I still don't trust my thinking in a lot of areas. But I, I, I do believe that. God has removed the problem uh, in terms of eating today. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning with the um, desire to eat or use any other substance, and I know that's not me doing that. I, I could not do that. You know, I spent 42 years trying to do that myself, and it never worked. Um, and uh, so, but the, 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 the trick for me is remembering that, you know, surrender is a lot more than just... Um, Taking direction, it's also tapping, you know, connecting with my higher power, you know, like during the day, because um, you know none of us can spend uh, the whole day on the phone to um, sponsors or other members of the fellowship because you know we have work or whatever, you know, daily commitments. But um, there are times during the day where, you know, like it talks in the big book about, you know, I pause in moments of indecision. Sometimes I forget to pause. I just sort of blunt. You know, blunder on. Um, I'd like to be more surrendered in that area, where any time I struck that kind of indecision, I would you know, pause, hand it over to God, and if it's still troubling me, I pick up the phone and um, talk about it. So I, I'm, I'm still on my guard about you know Tony's old ideas, you know. and you know just just lately on, on my kind of commute to work, I've. I've made sure that I've um, listened to a speaker, an AEA speaker, an AA speaker or something, because I'd rather listen to you know, Chuck C than Tony S, you know, <laughs> that thinking, you know, because that's, that's the problem. The main problem centers in the mind, you know, and, and that kept me um, away, that kept me in that state of anxious apartness for so, you know, for so long. And I don't feel that today. I, I feel when I come here that I feel connected to, the, to um, AEA. I feel connected to the people here. 
and I feel connected to my higher power because you know, I love that first word of the first step, you know, we, and the first word of the first tradition, you know, our. You know. Um, and for somebody that's been a long time you know, trying to avoid what was on offer here, um, that's a gift. You know, that I, 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 you know, it's, it's nothing I've done except get bad enough and get serious about asking for help and you know, trying what's on offer here rather than um, you know, my old ideas. So great to be here. Thanks, friend. Thank